Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. What's happening today, you guys? It's Dave Mormon, your home service business coach, and I'm coming at you with another episode here, hopefully chocked full of value and practical advice that you can take and store into your entrepreneurial toolkit. Uh, whether you are out painting or hauling junk or pressure washing or doing the thing that your business provides, it that's not really the business as we talk about on this podcast, right? There's all these other backend systems that go in to actually creating the business. And it's my belief if you've you know, created a successful painting business, you can create a successful pressure washing business, junk removal, Christmas lights. It's not the thing that makes it special. It's actually all those backend systems that we talk about. So um, we're coming at you today with another episode. And what I wanted to do this episode was do things like a little bit differently and kind of like pull out of the forest and actually get up in our helicopter like we talk about and look down on our business. And the way we're gonna do that is actually get into your mindset today. And what I wanted to do was kind of stay on point with a pretty specific topic that I like to learn uh, as much as I can about. And that's the mindset when it comes towards uh, making money and income and how that plays in with wealth creation and assets and just how you view your business. So the chances are if you went into business for yourself and you are a true entrepreneur, you're probably going to be like pretty into like stocks and real estate and, you know, passive income. And so I just wanted to kind of share some of my thoughts around that subject in this episode, because I want you to be like really clear uh, what is the purpose of your, you know, let's say you have a cleaning business, like what is the purpose of your gutter cleaning business or your pressure washing company? What's the end result that you're trying to achieve? And so I wanted to just come right out of the gate and kind of recommend a resource that I've been working through. Um, I've linked it up in the show notes for you, but it's a, it's a book and it's called The Top 10 Distinctions Between Millionaires and the Middle Class. And it's a book by Keith Cameron Smith written in 2007 so it's you know you could call it old i guess by 14 15 years but the thing i really like about this book is just it uh it really keeps my add in check it's only 110 pages and anything where it's like very just pointed and like a great takeaway uh, and the author doesn't ramble on and on. I'm like a huge fan of like, you guys know those business books where sometimes I, I swear these authors get paid by the page because it's just like, you kind of made your point in the first 26 pages, but why is the whole book 290 pages? You know, do you get paid more just to repeat yourself? So it's kind of uh, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, but what I love about this book is it's just so many takeaways that it's full of. So I don't want to run through like all 10 of these because um, 
you know, you can obviously pick up the book in your own time, but I do want to camp on a few that I've actually highlighted to talk through. Um, so there's like five or six that really pertain to having a home service business. And we'll kind of see like how many we get through here. Um, but I just wanted to kind of dive in and give you like my key uh, takeaways. So the, you know, distinction number 10 is millionaires think long term the middle class thinks short term. And so one thing I love about this book, guys, is it just like reverses what society basically thinks. Because you got to know, like, if you're an entrepreneur growing your business, like literally most of the world's going to think you're like weird and you think differently, right? I, I've been doing this now for 13 years. And, you know, say if I have, you know, 100 friends, there's probably only like three, four, maybe five that will actually like have their own business and like know what we are going through. So what I love about um, this book is it just, it, it resonates with me. It's just like, yeah, like not everybody is a millionaire. And if you want to be a millionaire, you got to think a little bit differently. And you know, where inflation's going and everything, like a million dollars is, uh, it's still a good amount of money, no doubt, but it's not like, you know, the most insane, unachievable amount to make. Like, I think if you have a service business for a handful of years um, and you're smart with your investments, you can save up a million bucks. Like, I just, I fully believe that it's possible. I know that it's possible. So what I love with this first distinction is millionaires think long-term, middle-class think short-term. And this is like a point that I really push through to my clients that I work with in my coaching academy is like, man, let's build this business for the long term. Like, let's think, what is the 10 year plan here? Where's this thing going? Like, you know, if you look at 10 years, you've got 120 months, if my, yeah, my math is correct there. So 120 months to build your business. Like, you know, you have like these off months or you have these great months where, you know, instead of you're usually doing like, $20,000 a month, you do like $42,000 and you're just like stoked over the moon, but then it drops back down and it's just like this yo-yo. But the the end result is we want to see us like trending in the right direction, right? And over 10 years, it's like if you can actually take a long-term approach, uh, it becomes like pretty amazing what you can create. And like that quote is so true, like people you know, um, they overestimate what they can get done in like two in one year, three years, but they underestimate what they can get done in 10 years. Like if I look back 10 years ago when I was 22 and I look at everything that's transpired in 10 years, it's like absolutely mind blowing. But when I look back like three years, I'm like, yeah, like been able to get through a lot and life's been awesome but it's like, I can more like tangibly feel those three years. It's really hard to like feel the 10 years. So um, it's, it's just such an important point to make that as we build this business, we need to have like our long-term lens on. And I'm not really all for like, oh, let's start up a service business and we'll just like grow it. And, uh, you know, we'll keep it for like eight months and then we'll just sell it. And it's like, oh, like, you know, if the business really is so great and systematized and making you money, why are you like turning around and selling it? So that's like a whole nother podcast episode on that. But and I'm not saying there's like better opportunities that come along and things, but really, I think the the true value, if their business is so systematized and profitable, you'd probably want to just keep this thing, keep this thing running, right? Like that's my 
long-term plan with my home service business is building out, currently building out a management team, continuing to grow the company so that I can have people uh, have a career here at my company and not just like, you know, a summer job and then they quit and it all falls back down on me. And so there's a few like key shifts you got to make to really build a company for the long term. And I'd recommend reading Jim Collins book, you know, good to great. He really talks about like, what is a level five leader and how do you actually set up your company for long-term success? So, you know, building a business guys, it's not a microwave solution. You're literally putting this thing in the oven, in the crock pot, or I'm not a huge chef. So maybe that's not the best analogy, but you're cooking this thing for the long-term. You're not trying to microwave this you know, I want my food in 90 seconds. It's like, no, this is going to take like multiple hours to come up with something good. And that ties like right into real estate too, right? Like those of you who know me, I, I really think, you know, your home service business is an asset 100%. But I also believe that, you know, we hear these stories of guys who sell for six or eight times earnings. And I know those stories are out there. But I don't think that's always the norm. And I don't think you should bank on like a sale at the end to like ride off into the sunset. I really believe that you should make your money as you go along season after season with your with your home service business. Now, if you're just starting up, I'm not saying like, you know, you do a few hundred thousand and you and you take a hundred grand salary and completely leave the company bankrupt. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is like grow sustainably take out what you need to provide for you and your family, but ideally leave those profits in the bank account to continue to fuel uh, the growth. So, you know, I'm very realistic on like the home service business should be a cash generator. It should kick you off X amount of dollars per month. And ideally that's going to be above, above and beyond what you need. And, you know, as you grow your business, um, there's there's going to be more profit available that, you know, say you're four five, six, seven years in, you won't necessarily need all those profits to continue to fuel the growth, depending how aggressive your plans are. So you could look at, um, you know, an owner's draw and taking a dividend and taking that money and parking it into you know, more of a hard asset. Like I'm a big fan of, of real estate and investing in real estate. If you look over any period, um, over a 10 year period, you know, we're thinking long term, um, the, the building, the land you get is like pretty much a slam dunk. It's going to appreciate. And so a thing that I've heard in real estate, it's like, don't wait to get into real estate into the real estate market, get into the real estate market and then wait. And so there's just something to be said today about being patient um, and and not trying to microwave this thing, whatever you're doing. I'm not a fan of making quick money. Like, um, you know, I know you can make a ton of money in Bitcoin and crypto right now, and I'm not saying any of that's wrong. It's just not for me right now. I don't understand it. I don't have the time to follow it. And I think if someone's making money super quick, um, I think there's a risk of the opposite as well. And that's also comes to like my personality, right? I'm a fair, like I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm also like fairly risk averse and I'm like quite calculated. I'm not going to just go into the casino and throw $10,000 on, on red, right? That's just not how I roll. I'm, I'm much more calculated and want to really see 
what a return is. So, you know, for thinking long term, think how can I build this business, get it running without me, take profits from that and allocate it elsewhere, whether that's, you know, um, whether that's real estate investments or whether that's, you know, buying gold or buying bonds or buying stocks, like whatever it is that you have more expertise in, I would push into that. But if I can just speak to the real estate investing uh, for, for one minute here, like I think if you're a good, um, a good entrepreneur and a good manager and you're good with people, I would really encourage you to look at um, real estate investing. And I get you can have a property manager and run that. But to be honest, like it, my opinion, if you don't have more than 10 doors um, of, of uh, units, having a property manager, you're not really going to see that economy of scale. So more what I've done as a part-time hobby is having real estate rental and actually managing those tenants myself. And honestly, once you get the uh, the place up and running and spruced up and have some good tenants, it just becomes into like relationship managing. Um, a great tenant is like a great employee. They're not going to require tons of your time. They're not going to be texting you day and night. It's just a very professional relationship where it's win-win for both parties. So I've just found if you if you enjoy, like a lot of people listening is you're probably gonna laugh, like do you enjoy hiring employees? Like I honestly love hiring employees. I love interviewing them, I love coaching them. Um, I, I love it, uh, it all. And yeah, there's problems that come with employees and sick calls and this and that. But generally I think if you have like a disposition towards um, being a leader of people and caring for people, um, you're, you're going to have like a really good heart for being like a great landlord. Um, and I would really push into that because I find it's a very complimentary skill set, managing a business to managing uh, a rental property. I really look at my rental property just as a, um, you know, a mini business basically in my portfolio. So I would think long term, if, if you're running this for 10 years, you know, get the business up and going, get it making money. And then where are we going to put that money because you don't want to just sock away cash in your mattress, right? How inflation's going, um, you're going to actually end up losing money. So you want to be putting it into very smart investments. And, you know, I'm not a fan of buying the flashy car or, you know, a brand new boat or, you know, you can do all these lavish things. Yeah. But I think first do the smart, the prudent thing, the wise thing, which is put, build your business one, two, put that money into um, cash generating assets and then three if there's still money left over like go get the boat go take the family on that thirty thousand dollar trip to hawaii or do whatever it is that business owners like to do but i think just like first put in the work and build the asset and then like go have some fun so that's just the first point guys um, let's let's build long term with this business. And that's not a sexy thing in today's day and age, right? It's like, how can I start an online business and be making like $10,000 a month by tomorrow? It's just like, though, that's who you're competing against. So literally, like if you can just say, look, I've decided to, to put my flag in the ground on this business, I'm going to build it long term. It's something you could like tell your clients too. just be like, man, I'm a local business owner. I'm building this for at least 10 years. Um, I'm not just coming in and out. You know, it's like the $99 guy. He's knocking on doors today, bumping off jobs this week. Is he going to be here in like three, you know, September's from now? Like probably not. And so just building it long term is going to put you in the minority and create a lot of like confidence in 
uh, your client as well with what you're offering. So that's number one. Millionaires think long-term. The middle class thinks short-term. Another point I want to make is uh, distinction number five in, in uh, Keith's book here. Millionaires work for profits. The middle class work for wages. And so this is a huge one, right? Like there's a chance that you're like, you've quit your full-time job and you're just like diving into business full-time. And that's kind of what entrepreneurs give up, right? They give up the steady paycheck for um, the chance to make profits. And notice I say the chance to make profits. It's not guaranteed when you have your own business. You know, if you're taking notes here, uh, one of my favorite quotes as it pertains to self-employment is um, you're literally unemployed. Like when you're self-employed, you're unemployed until you go find your next client. And it's just like, if that doesn't light you up to like go and door knock and put signs up and go to BNI chapters and get more clients, um, I honestly don't know what will because you should be waking up with such a hunger that nothing's guaranteed today and I need to go out and get it. And it's like, a little bit comical like how the world has changed in my opinion that it's like you know when i came out of college eight ten years ago is like go get a steady secure job and then it's like when you work for a big company i've got buddies who who um they're sales reps for for a big company and um they make really good money but it's just like literally one call from head office is like we're changing your bonus structure. And now it's like, okay, say goodbye to your huge bonus you get, you were banking on. It's just like, you're literally not living life on the decisions you can make. You're almost putting your fate in like a big employer's hand, which like, yeah, there's steady income, but it's like, all it's going to take is one decision in a boardroom and that's going to affect your life. And so you look at coronavirus and COVID and all this stuff. And again, a whole nother podcast on that. But the point is, it's like, you know, even if you are an employee, nothing is still like really secure. In, in my opinion, like we've seen industries completely change restaurants, hotels, airlines, like, you know, imagine being a pilot for like a big airline company making 100 grand a year, you're secure, life is good. And then COVID happens and the flight schedules get knocked down by like 85%. And you're stuck at home, you know, living on serve. It's like, that's a pretty humbling experience and so i think if anything covid has reminded us like nothing is really secure as an employee um but also to that effect like when you're out on your own uh it can be like pretty difficult as well to get clients and so i think like the day you choose to be self-employed that does not mean like you get to sleep until 10 and have a flexible schedule and make a pancake breakfast and have a two hour lunch with your wife and pick the kids up from school and jump on your Peloton. Like it is not a license to live the chill, lavish lifestyle. Like I think it's more a license to like literally light on fire your nine to five job because you just traded it for a five to nine. Like I'm talking a 5 a.m. to a 9 p.m. It's sun up to sundown at least for the first few years of if you want to be successful and like literally if you're in business right now and you've been in business for less than 10 years like there's still a 90 percent chance you're not going to make it to 10 years like that's just how the stats are 
Um, there may be something personally that comes up for you. You may need to relocate. You may have cash flow issues. The market may dry up. We may have another COVID. Like nothing is guaranteed even when you run your own business. But being an entrepreneur, what um, Keith is saying in the book here, it's literally the, the millionaires are making the decision saying, look, I'm going to go into business for myself. I understand there's risk, but there's also risk if I go and build somebody else's empire as an employee. I'm prepared to get up every day, work a five to nine for the next three, five, seven, ten years, whatever it takes. I'm burning the boats and I will be successful. That's what he's saying. Because if you look at wealth generation, guys, like one of the most powerful things in the world is compound interest, right? And you can put, um, you know, you can buy a buy a property, let's say, and put down X amount. That property it's going to kick you. It should kick you off a of cash flow if the numbers are good. Um, that's a whole different story for where we are here in Vancouver. There's not a whole lot of opportunities where you see cash flow, but you have a, a tenant paying your, your mortgage. So you have principal pay down on your mortgage amount. And then the big kicker is, um, you know, 95% of the time, this, this property is probably even higher than that, but that property is going to go up again. If you take a 10 year viewpoint, that thing's going to be worth a whole lot more than you paid for it 10 years prior. So, you know, this is a millionaire mindset. Someone's working for profits here. And the same with your business. You know, you want to stand back objectively and say, I'm quite confident I can build this company to do, you know, $1.2 million of work. I can have a team run it. And this, this should kick me off, you know, a 10%, a 15, a 20% net income. And so that's the millionaire mindset. I'm going to grow this business to $1.2 million and I'm going to have a $12,000 a month cash flow and I'm going to coach my management team to run the company. That's the millionaire mindset, right? The middle class is like, man, that sounds incredibly risky. Uh, I have no idea how to get there. Uh, I would prefer just to work my job for, you know, $24.50 an hour, have my steady Eddie paycheck, um, and that's how, how I'm going to roll. And so you can just appreciate, like, you know, $24 an hour, you're going to be making like 40% of the amount of the first example of the person who's, you know, working for profits. And again, there's no right way to do this, right? I'm not like... I think a lot of people who are in business today, guys, actually like shouldn't be in business because, um, you know, they could be in it for ego reasons or, you know, other reasons that aren't right. Um, a lot of times, guys, you're going to you're going to be better literally working for someone else, because if you could get on a fast growing company and be on their management team, you should be making like a good salary, right? If you're running the company and there's just so much risk that comes with being an entrepreneur, if you don't have that thick skin and that long-term mindset, like you're just not going to make it. So I think you kind of need to like assess and analyze that if you're not waking up in the morning, like living, breathing this business and you're not crazy hungry for it, uh, you, there's probably a good chance that you're going to fail. And I hope that you succeed. I definitely do. But I've just been doing this long enough. I've seen people that are like quick to start up and then they're like quick to die out. So I'm not saying, oh, this is the only way to do it. You have to work for profits. Like, no, you could still work for a company and make $80,000 a year 
do your best to live on 40 and sock away the other 40 and you could be buying an investment property in two, three years time. So, you know, that's still a very real possibility. But what this book is just saying is like generally more often than not, if you look at wealth creation of people across the world or even just in the United States, there's generally two things they have in common. One, they were a business owner to some degree, like they earned profits to get wealthy. And two, they have some element of real estate investing or potentially stock market uh, portfolio. And that's how they, you know, quote unquote, got ahead or built up their portfolio. So you and I have the same amount of hours per week, right? We all have 168 hours per week. We're just choosing as entrepreneurs saying, I'm going to take a chunk of those hours and I'm going to put them into opportunities that I feel are going to expand and they're going to appreciate, they're going to compound with interest, they're going to grow versus saying, I'm going to just turn up to this office for this job that I'm not psyched on and I'm going to just put my time in to put in my 35 years and then I'll get my pension. Like entrepreneurs don't believe in pension, they don't believe in retirement, they don't believe in chasing a little white Titleist golf ball around a golf course for 23 years when they retire. Like we believe in value creation and growing. And so um, that that's uh, kind of my thoughts on that, guys. Again, the second distinction there, number five in the book, millionaires work for profits, the middle class work for wages. Uh, let's do another one here. Uh, this one's, this one's really good as well. This is a distinction number three in the book. And number three right now says millionaires have multiple sources of income. The middle class has only one or two. So again, let's look at wealth creation here. If you own a job, let's say that you have a partner and you both have a job, Uh, and you both make $50,000 a year. So it's like, cool, your household take-home income is 100 grand uh, per year, right? And so that would be the middle-class attitude. Uh, You know, maybe we could ask for a raise, maybe we could look at another job and maybe boost up that income, but it is like around the constraints of having that nine-to-five job. Where you look at a millionaire, how did someone get to be a millionaire? Well, the chances are they probably have anywhere from like three to like 15 sources of income, right? They're going to have the property on X, one, two, three street cash flowing at $1,000 a month. They're going to have business uh, fill in the blank that they're pulling 12 grand a month because they are the owner and CEO of that business. Then they're going to have um, some, some stock investments, um, you know, maybe some index funds that pay dividends and they're making, you know, another $500 a month there. Maybe they've chosen to um, get a home where they rent out the basement, you know, and they're going to be making income from their uh, tenant in the basement. Maybe instead of the long-term tenant, maybe they decided to Airbnb their place and actually, you know, put in the two to four hours per week of changing the sheets and doing the laundry and dealing with the odd partier that comes through and getting reviews on Airbnb and advertising your space, um, that would be another income stream, right? Maybe, um, let's let's see what else. Maybe they pick up a part-time job driving for Uber, you know, two nights a week. There's another income stream there. So um, you guys can kind of see what I mean. You know, even 
um, maybe, maybe you develop influence in your space and you actually become like a brand ambassador and a brand pays you X amount per month to advertise their software. That would be uh, another income stream as well. So there's like all these things, you know, and you don't always need like a ton of cash for this either. You could figure out a way to do like a joint venture and go in with a friend um, on say a small unit that you could rent out or you could go renovate and then rent it out. Like there's a lot of uh, opportunities here where you could really make money. And again, you might be thinking, oh, it's so easy for you to say you've had a business for 13 years. It's like, well, you might think that, but I was not given a dollar. Uh, I started knocking on my first door 13 years ago. I painted a couple thousand homes and now I've washed a couple thousand homes and now I'm coaching people. And so it's just, again, starting off this talk, guys, the long-term view, like the best time to plant an oak tree was 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, if I had bought a place 20 years ago, boy, would I be laughing? It's like, you're going to be saying that again in 10 years from now. So the second best time to plant the oak tree is like literally today, like coming off this podcast, revising potentially your plan, getting visionary, like, hey, where is this cleaning business going? Um, how much income can I make from it? What other opportunities could I put uh, into my portfolio to continue to create wealth. So quickly, guys, we got to take a quick break and just give it up for our show sponsors. Um, this show is partly sponsored by Jobber as well as Nice Job. And these are two tools that we have in what we called our tech stack. And we use Jobber as our CRM to basically be what I call the brains of our business. So we're organizing all our crews, our schedule. There's quotes flying around, invoices, payments coming in, um, and lots of good stuff to keep us organized. So you'll definitely want to hit up Jobber. I've linked them up in the show notes. And secondly, guys, nice job, right? Like five-star reviews are literally the lifeblood of your service business. You want to see those reviews coming in, um, you know, every week. You want to see them trickling in. That's going to tell Google, hey, this guy's legit. Look at all the reviews he's getting. Um, they're dominating the, the community and they're doing great work. So having software automation like nice jobs really going to help you put you on the map and get uh, more eyeballs on you and your brand. So I've put up nice job in the show notes as well. And without further ado, let's get back to the episode. Cause it's not all about like asset, um, you know, wealth creation and, and, you know, and having assets in your portfolio, there's definitely more to life than that. But I do believe that, you know, if you're given the skill set of being entrepreneurial and you can hire people and you have the ability to spot opportunity and create value in the world and make income, then I would encourage you to like push into that, right? That's what's really going to excite you. And that's what's going to like make those around you better as well, right? We've heard the quote, a rising tide lifts all boats. Like, why don't you be the rising tide in your community and your environment with your employees and your suppliers and your neighbors and your friends and family? Like, let's level up the tide and raise all the boats around you. Like, I believe that's what an entrepreneur is doing, right? Being generous with your team, being generous with your income, but the money doesn't just fall out of the sky uh, here, guys, right? Like, it, I want to drive home the point just how much work it takes to grow your business. And you might be like nodding right now, being like, yeah, man, like 
I've been grinding 12 hour days for the last two years, you know, and it's, it's literally two steps forward and then one step back. But it's like this resilience of being an entrepreneur and having the vision of a brighter future. That's what like keeps driving us on. So, you know, it's really important to remember the, the multiple sources of income and not to like obsess over money. Like, you know, I don't think having money is a bad thing, but I do think like the Bible says, like it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And it's like, literally, if that's why you get up in the morning to like make more money and sock it away, it's like, you will literally never have enough. Like if you're making a hundred thousand dollars this year, um, and, and you make, you know, 200,000 next year, like it's literally, you're just going to be like, how can I do more? How can I do more? How can I do more? And it is like, it is a game and it is addictive. And it's like, you know, yeah, you want to do more, you want to grow. And I'm all for that. But I also think just like, don't let that steamroll like the other areas of your life, right? Your health, your fitness, your relationships, your marriage, your family, your faith, like there's all these other components of life that are important. But I do think, that having multiple sources of income can make all those spheres of life better, right? You can give your kids a better future, uh, more opportunities. You can give uh, your spouse, take them on a holiday. You know, you can be present with them for, for your time. Um, you can do random acts of kindness for neighbors or friends or lend a helping hand. Like how many people were affected during COVID, right? Like some businesses really thrived during that time and were able to help people um, who were in need. And so I don't look at people with who have, you know, 12 sources of income and be like, man, what a what a rich SOB. Like, I never want to be like that. It's like, man, good, good for him or good for her. Like, because I see the struggle behind that. Like I'm on year 13 right now. I can't, I can't imagine when I get to year 23, like what's going to be possible, what's going to be going on in life. I just can't even really fathom it right now. And that's what I, you know, imagine for these people too, right? Like if you're driving a nice car um, and you've, and you've been smart with your money and generous, like, man, have, like enjoy every ride in that car. Like I'm all for that. And so it comes down to this, like, I think, you know, it's not in the book, but this growth mindset, this abundant mindset versus this like scarcity mindset you guys may have heard about, right? The, the growth minded abundant entrepreneur is going to say the pie is so massive. I want everyone to win around me because I know I'll be winning as well. Right. I want everyone to win. It's a team sport. The scarce mindset is like, man, your competitor calls you, like you ghost them, you don't call them back, you, um, you're you so cheap with your time, you're cheap with your money, you're always looking for a deal, um, you know, you think everyone's out to get you and steal your business, it's just like, man, what a sad way to live life. So I'll kind of end on, on that note is like, have this abundant mindset. I always give the analogy to my team, it's like, we're in the elevator right now, and this is like a 40 person elevator, and we're literally on like floor three, maybe four right now. We're only in business five years with my one company. I'm telling them, I want to drive this thing up to floor 40, right? You might be on for that entire ride over the next 10 years, and that's going to be awesome. It's going to be a crazy, awesome elevator ride. You might only ride with us from, say, floor four up to floor number eight. And it's like you worked for a summer or two and like, that's great. You might get off at floor 26. Like nobody knows the future, but it's your job as the entrepreneur 
to create this opportunity and this elevator and show the team this vision, like this is where we're heading. This is where the elevator is going. Get on for the ride because it's going to be awesome. Um, and, and hopefully you stay on as long as you can. So I would encourage you to read this book, guys, The Top 10 Distinctions Between Millionaires and the Middle Class. Another good resource is uh, The Richest Man in Babylon is really good. Another one is As a Man Thinketh um, and also Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. There's so many books on money and income. Um, you know, it is a fairly central theme of our economy is like we need money to live and survive. But I also think when you have money, you don't just survive. You can actually thrive and create an amazing community around you. And I think that's what having a business is. So I would encourage you today, just think like, you know, you're running Poseidon pressure washing. How can Poseidon pressure washing elevate the entire community that the business is in, both by being generous to employees, um, being a great businessman or businesswoman? And how can that be an amazing asset to give your family a great life give yourself a great lifestyle and use that income into putting it into assets that generate cash flow to continue to build wealth and a legacy, right? You have an opportunity with your business here, whatever service business you find yourself in to build generational wealth, right? It's going to be not just for you and your partner, not just for your kids that come, but kids after that and generations after that. Like that's the level I want you to be thinking at, right? Like business is totally a team sport. And the more that you can kind of create now, um, it's going to continue to echo for generations to come. So just want to encourage you to think big. Think like a millionaire, guys. If, if you are a millionaire, fantastic. If you're not, I don't think you need to be given an inheritance or family money to be a millionaire. You can literally create it in this like sweaty, dirty jobs we have, right? I think there's a show, Blue Collar Millionaires, something to that effect. It's like there's so much income to be made in these dirty jobs, right? We get paid to clean gutters and pressure wash dirt and clean siding and clean roofs and put up Christmas lights, right? It's like these are the most... Um, they're not sexy jobs, right? But why do people living in $2 million houses hire us? Because they're focused on their asset generation, um, generating assets, right? Their cash generating assets. They don't have the time or the expertise or the equipment or the know-how to take care of the thing. And that's only going to increase guys in the coming years as we continue to forge on through this service economy. People are going to need our services. And so you know, you want to talk long term in an asset, like without even really saying it, your business is an asset, right? If it's going to kick off a cash flow every month, it's an asset. And so I don't think this is like the vending machine model where like literally nothing goes wrong. And it's like all tickety boo, there is going to be challenges that come as you scale this up. But I also want to encourage you. It's a pretty incredible feeling when you can have a team running your business. Um, you've really created an asset for yourself and your family and also for your employees. Like make sure that you're being generous with them and cutting them in um, some skin in the game, whether that's, you know, bonuses or, um, you know, giving out gift cards or recognition or, you know, even sometimes just a random gift and a handwritten card goes such a long way for the members on your team. So view this business guys for what it is. 
write down today, like how is it serving you? What are you hoping to get out of it? And what steps are you going to take to get there as you scale this thing up? So I hope that you guys found this valuable. As you know, I put out a free podcast every single Friday at 8 a.m. Central Time to bring you free value, free content. If you found it useful, all I would ask is that you please subscribe. And if you're listening on iPhone, just please, when you pull over the car, if you're driving, please just give me the five-star review and tell me the kind of value you're getting from this podcast. I do this episodes, these episodes for free to bring uh, you value. And lastly, like if you just find that you are stuck in your business and you're needing a guide or some external support, uh, reach out to me, guys. Send me an email, homeservicebusinesscoach at gmail.com. I get emails from you guys every week telling me the value you're getting from this podcast or maybe asking a quick business question. Um, I do offer a free coaching call. So, you know, if something's rattling around in your mind and you need a bit of help, um, I do have a pretty full schedule, but I do try carve out time uh, to talk to you throughout the week to, to help you. Uh, it's all about that rising tide lifting all boats. And I want to help be that rising tide for you and get your boat um, rising up well above in the water so that you can continue uh, to, to grow and develop as an entrepreneur. So thank you so much for listening today. And I wish you well the rest of your day today. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.